Good day. Good Tuesday. Can't believe we're halfway through the show already. 877-867-1670, The Bill Michaels Show on the air. Grant Bills alongside. I'm Bill Michaels and talking a lot of Packers football today. Packers yesterday back. Back at it. We were talking about elite players on this team, and I was kind of going through the history uh, of some of these players going back to 2010. And uh, Pac fan says, was Jermichael Finley really elite? Never made a Pro Bowl, never led the league in any stat. No, he wasn't elite in that sense. I That I agree with. He wasn't a game changer. He was just coming into his own. He was – he had the, the ability to be a really good pass catcher. And he had all the ability in the world. He And that's why I said he – he was on the cusp, and his best season was the season in which he went down. He he was starting to burst onto the scene, and then obviously in that game against Cleveland, he took that shot to the neck, and uh, that was the end of his career. But he was getting there, and I I really believe he would have gotten there, um, but it, that came to an end. But that, my my point being is, you had in that that 2010 season, 2011 season. You had um, you had a, you had guys across the board that were good. You had Charles Woodson. You had Clay Matthews. You had this roster of special players, and it, it was just it, 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 look at it this way. Think about this for a minute. You had Randall Cobb, Jordy Nelson, Greg Jennings, Jermichael Finley, James Jones, Donald Driver. All those guys. Then when you start to look at the offensive line and the roster that they had, when you had the big beef up front, that was when Brian Balaga took over. Brian Balaga was there. You still had Chad Clifton that was there. You had staunch centers up the gut. You had a decent run game, don't forget. Uh, and your run game uh, was Ryan Grant and James Starks, both of those guys back-to-back. They In, in that 2010-2011 year, they were both really solid. And then defensively speaking, you just had this plethora of talent. Um, defensively, you had – A.J. Hawk was not elite, but he was good enough that on the outside you had Clay Matthews, you had Charles Woodson. Uh, Tremont Williams was on his way. I mean, he was an up-and-comer at the time, don't forget. Sam Shields was as well. Nick Collins, had he not gotten a neck injury, I, he would have ended up in the Hall of Fame. Nick Collins was that good of a uh, uh, of a safety, but you had you had so many guys that were just good or elite or better than the average bear, so to speak, at so many different positions. Now you start to look at it and you go, okay, what do they have? Where are they elite? And you think, okay, is it that they're young and they need to be coached up, and then a few more years of playing together and experience? Or do you say, mm, the talent that's been assembled is not elite? Because if that's the case, then it doesn't matter what Matt LaFleur does or Joe Barry does or Rich Passaccia does. Then you take a look upstairs. You know what I mean? So depends on what you're where you want to point the finger and what that's why this year is such a, a crazy turning point year. And I know some people want to look at it as going, ah, it's a rebuild. Ah, it's a young team and ah, you know, whatever. And you want to make the excuse. It's like, no, this is a gathering of talent where you're going to find out how much talent you actually have. That's, 
and and how many every year I do this, I get to the beginning of a season, I go down the, the roster, and I look at all the different positions, I think, okay, a lot of ifs. Uh, it reminds me of the last year of Ron Renicky. If this happens, and if this happens, and if this guy does that, and if it, and you know, if Devontae Wyatt takes a step up, if Quay Walker takes a step up, if Devondre Campbell comes back healthy, if Rashawn Gary comes back healthy, if Preston Smith actually ups the numbers this season, if yeah, you start going, man, there's nobody you can depend on right now. That's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about whether or not you're gathering talent and guys or you're gathering elite. 877-867-1670, If you want to give us a shout, please feel free to go ahead and do so. Dustin says, youngest team in the NFL, Jordy Devontae, they were elite in their second year. Jordy certainly came on. I mean, Jordy was really good his first year. I think he only had one drop. Anything you threw at the guy, he was catching. Adam Senovich, Packers offensive coordinator, uh, was at the podium yesterday, and I am incredibly interested to see what he has to say in defense of this lackluster offense. Take a listen. You got to give me one second. I was just screening. Oh. Uh, I was just talking to some callers off air. I'll give you. I'll give you Adam okay. Stenovich here in a second. That sec. was a hell of a lead in too. That was that was dynamic. I know that was, was fantastic on my part. I Absolutely. Know. I know, yeah. and I'm sorry. That's okay. That's all right. That's all right. We're good. Give We're me. Good. A... We'll get. We'll get back at it. No problem. No, I got it right here, ready to go. Oh, Set me okay. up one more and time. There we go. Set me Ladies up. and gentlemen, the offensive coordinator. <laughs> Carrying the water for the head coach. <laughs> Getting in-depth to see why this offense stinks on ice like a bad fish in a fish market. Here's Adam Stenovich. You look at your offensive line, what's, what's been the issue there? Is it nothing more than the injuries? Or have you guys started off really good in the last couple weeks? It's kind of... Yeah, there, there, there's yeah. been a combination of things. Um, but, yeah, the injuries definitely yeah. have helped. Um, but the one thing, when I do watch our offensive line, I see really good effort. Um, there's a lot of things to clean up fundamentally, especially with some of these young guys. Um, but the one area I think we do need to improve on in, in our downhill run game is creating more movement with our combos and things like that. So that's one area of emphasis uh, we're going to work on moving going forward. Rasheed specifically, what have you seen from him? Where does he need to get better? Just how has he handled this work increase? Yeah, and I think Rasheed's done a pretty good job. Um, but the, he's one of the guys, you know, just fundamentally being more consistent. Um, when you play, you know, 70, 80, 80 snaps, it's how can you eliminate some of those really bad plays? Um, and a lot of that has to do with fundamentals and focus and things like that. But, again, good effort. And when he's on, he, he looks pretty good. So I just think we just need to keep focusing on the details. Uh, and his improved play will come from that. So how, do you, how do you work on creating movement? Just being better with our technique, just getting under, getting our pads down, and things like that. You've got two really athletic rookie tight ends, mm -hmm. but that position coming in and blocking some combo blocks, whatever it may be, it's, it's obviously a, a big hill for them to climb. How, how do you mitigate that learning curve for them? And it's just reps. And the good thing, like watching, you know, you go back and you watch all five games uh, over the over the break here uh, and you watch how they've improved and it's it's been pretty good like you can see them taking steps forward especially in the run game um, so I'm excited about those guys and kind of how they've progressed so far because uh, I think if they just keep going we'll have a pretty good unit eventually. Is, is there a balance with you know the stuff you're asking them to do is stuff that they need to do at that position 
but maybe it's stuff that they're not quite ready to be proficient. Oh, certainly. How do you yeah. dramatically balance that out between not giving them too much? Yeah. And a lot of it has to do with, okay, maybe this guy's better at one thing and this guy's better at the other. Then how do we position those guys so that you can, you know, have one guy doing more of one thing than the other? So, yeah, there's a lot to that for sure. So you guys, um, in training camp, Luke Musgrave seemed like he got the ball all the time. Yeah. Um, so I guess, I don't know, maybe I expected him to have, you know, 40 catches and, you know, 400 yards at this mm -hmm. point. What, how, the carryover from training camp to this, you know, what, what, what happened? What's the difference? Well, 40 catches and five games. And I, I know. I'm, that'd be, I'm exaggerating. That'd be pretty awesome. I'm, yeah. I'm exaggerating. <laughs> no, I, I'm with you. Like, he's a, he's a guy, I, I definitely think. You know, as you as you go back and watch, it's like, all right, how can we get our playmakers the ball? That's the biggest thing. Um, so he's one of those guys, I think, that we need to find ways to get him more involved for sure. Matt had said um, when he talked to us uh, the day after the uh, the Raiders game, he said, you know, in addition to all the self scout that you guys would normally do, he said he was going to uh, study some things around the league and see if he could steal something. What did you guys find? Anything? Well, yeah, you watch a few teams. I won't get into any of that, but you definitely watch a few teams that have had success um, and just kind of see if anything they're doing can help you out uh, as far as generating offense. Um, and that's one thing that you, you're always doing because you always kind of have to try and stay ahead. Um, so that's it's not typical that you wouldn't do that on a normal week anyways. So. You guys know what the impact of Aaron Jones has been on your, mm -hmm. your record, on your team, on your offense. Is it a little disappointing, though, that you know when he comes out or he can't play, it does affect your offense so dramatically that, you know? Yeah, I think there's a few things. He is an explosive player um, that does a great job just generating plays. Um, and I think with our offense, like the biggest thing right now is us not – you may have the perfect play called and you just kind of get the bare minimum or you may have a bad play called and then a playmaker doesn't get you out of it. You know what I mean? So he's one of those guys that really has a knack for it. He's shown, you know, over the course of the last five years to be pretty exceptional um, when it comes to that. So anytime you take a playmaker off the field like that, it's going to affect your offense. And it's just a matter of allowing these other guys opportunities, you know, to create plays. Um, so we're still kind of figuring out which guys we can put in which area and which guys we can count on because it's one thing to be out in the practice field and they show up, but then once the game time rolls around, um, you know, you might be getting a different story. So we just got to keep hammering home and keep keep our faith in these guys because uh, we do have some talent. Your offense obviously keeps takes into account that you have Aaron Jones. Is it hard to change it when he's gone? So, you know, you have a different type of running back. Yeah, you certainly you certainly adjust things, for sure, like you just said, with the running game and stuff like that, to, to do things that these other guys might be better at, for you sure. You can't just change your offense. Oh, no, no, you can't. And A.J., you know, he's he's done a good job. He's improved the last few weeks, you know, just with his production and stuff. So we just got to keep, keep going. So instead of, you know, need or want me to make excuses for your offense, I get that. But this offense is vastly different with Aaron Jones versus without it, is it not? Like, you got nine guys that are 
three rookie tight ends, three rookie wide receivers, three second-year wide receivers. Yeah. He's the one guy that's a commodity. Right. How different is your offense when you have him available versus when you don't? Yeah, it certainly, like I just said, just adds a, a guy that you can rely on. Hey, we get this guy the ball 12 to 15 times a game, we're going to – some really good things are going to happen. Uh, there's no doubt about it. So, you know, it is what it is, though. You can't – if he's not out there, then you, you have to adjust. You know what I mean? So it's, it is, but yes, it is a thing we have to deal with. I, I, get, well, I guess what I, I meant was you could still have some of the same issues that you're having, right? Jordan being inconsistent, mm -hmm. Luke not running the right route on the third and three, but having that player covers up for, you'd still be coaching him hard, you'd still be getting after him to improve all the areas they need to improve. Yeah. But you'd at least have some results that you'd be feeling a little bit better about. Yeah, no, there, yeah, there's no doubt about that. And it's kind of just another guy that Jordan can get the ball to, you know what I mean? And something cool happens. So that's, that's probably the biggest thing, is just alleviating that pressure off the quarterback. Speaking of Jordan, I think the league – Wide averages like 65% on completions, and he's yeah. about 10% below that. Yeah. Um, that to me would seem would indicate it's a pretty big problem. I guess how concerned are you that he's just not completing enough passes? Yeah, well, there's a few things that go into that, but the biggest thing is yes, we just got to help him with kind of what we're doing, making sure that we're staying efficient as an offense uh, to allow him to get a better completion percentage. Because, you know, anytime you're in these second and long situations and things like that, what we've been in, um, it's not a high percentage of completions, third and longs. We've had way too many third and longs. Um, and again, you're not going to have a very high completion percentage. So we definitely do need to do a better job first and second down, keeping those manageable situations um, so we can be more efficient as an offense. I think that completion percentage kind of tells the tale of just our offense isn't very efficient right now for sure. What do you think you can do to improve your screen game? Screens. screens. You know, oh, yeah. Screens, yeah. Uh, there's a few things. Um, you know, screens, they're kind of hit and miss. It's not like, you know, you throw it and it's a bad look. Oh, crap. Like, it is what it is. But if you throw it into a right look, that's where you want to get those explosive plays. And I think right now, the frustrating thing is we, we're throwing in them into some of these good looks and we're just not getting the explosive plays that we normally had. So, a lot of it comes down to just blocking, whether it's on the perimeter or up front with the offensive line, uh, getting to their targets, and then guys just, again, making plays when they get the ball in their hand, breaking a tackle, whatever it may be. But it looked like the one to Dylan um, yeah. looked like it had a chance it to did. do something, and then yep. he runs into the nose tackle or whoever it was. Right? Yeah, they, there was some foot traffic issues. Um, we just didn't get the ball to him cleanly. So, you know, again, those things are if if you hit that and you may have an explosive play, but there's some things that happen that we just didn't execute. Anything else? Thanks, John. All right. So there you go. One of the things that I I found interesting was when he talked about the efficiency of say like the screenplay. What do you got to do to you know make the screenplay? And then he talked about the efficiency of the completion percentage. And basically what he said was we're not executing therefore that's the 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 you know the completion percentage is what's taking a hit right um a lot of the things that he he said look it's all correctable 
It's just you got to go back and, and, you know, the coaches like to say we're going to get back to the basics. And for the most part, it's true. You do need to go back and get back to the basics. But what he's saying is like, look, the completion percentage is is a is a byproduct or the lack thereof is a byproduct of a lack of reads and a lack of execution. I mean, that's it. And it's a very easy blanket statement, but then he went on to talk about that a little bit, and it it does make sense. Now, what was not talked about too much was how are you going to fix this mess? How are you going to fix all of this? And it's easy to go back to the basics, and which really is what you need to do. You know, you need to go back to crisp route running and not circling off a route, sticking in the proper position, you know, understanding the play where it's supposed to be and all that stuff. And some of that stuff's going to come with time. But I also think, and one of the things he very much glossed over was the offensive line, and the offensive line has been in flux. So getting back to healthy for this offensive line, I think also might be the key for this offense starting to click again. It's And, and we went over this yesterday. Look, for – for people that want to say, well, the offensive line, I mean, he hasn't had time to throw, and it's been a shambles, and it's only two and a half seconds to be able to get back there, drop back, and throw the football, and blah, blah, blah. Well, he's also only had eight sacks. He's been in the bottom third of quarterbacks under pressure. So it's not like he's under siege. It's not like Jordan Love is just, you know, just going crazy back there trying to run away and, and, and find things. So it, it it's it's a – Again, I'm not laying at anybody's specifics feet. I just think that there's a lot of polish work to be done. You're playing other teams via polish. And you Wow. Did you hear that, Grant? I heard something. What was that? That rumble? Yeah. Uh the quarry down the street, they're blowing stuff up. <laughs> what? Yeah, the quarry down the street every now and then like, you know, once a month they you know, ignite whatever, and then, you know, they blow it up, and then they start to get the granite and the quartz and all that stuff out of the quarry down the street. Today must have been one of the explosion days because, like, the whole house just shook. It was like, holy mackerel. <laughs> and it rumbled the microphone and everything. It scared the hell out of me. I did hear that. And I should be used to it. I've been four years here now, five years here now, and I'm, I'm still not used to that. Uh, so, anyway, my point being is that it, it is the polish you can talk about until you're blue in the face but it goes back to that is when you talk about polished players, you got to be able to convince a player to be polished. That is coaching. Sometimes players don't have the talent. They don't have the ability to get from point A to point B in a certain amount of time to run the proper route. They have to round it off just to be to where they're supposed to be. So sometimes things like that can happen. But when it comes to polish and guys buying in to polish, as he stated, um, that's coaching. That's coaching. Going to go ahead and take a quick break and come back. we got a lot more to get to. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends at BurnPitBBQ.com. Man, their sauces are good. Their sauces, their rubs, all that stuff. Barbecue sauce, and they're veteran-owned. They're based right here in Wisconsin. And if you have got, and I know it's a little early, but if you have got a barbecue lover or a griller lover on your Christmas gift list, this is the way to go. Just go to BurnPitBBQ.com, and they can ship it to them. They can ship it to you. You can give it to them as a, a gift. They come in gift packs. I mean, really, really, really good stuff. BurnPitBBQ.com. That is BurnPitBBQ.com. Ready? This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. 
All right, Team Pella, listen up. Thanks, John Kuhn. Customers love our products with limited lifetime warranties. Check out these big plays. Incredible innovations like blinds and shades between the glass. No interference on that play, Coach. And stylish windows with hidden screens that make game days a breeze. Can it get any better? It can. With monthly payments as low as $19 per window, $75 per patio door, and a free quote at PellaWI.com. Let's go. Whether you're looking to replace older damaged windows and doors or just wanting to revamp the look of your home, Pella offers a wide range of styles and materials to match your home's unique design. Hurry, take advantage of monthly payments as low as $19 per window and $75 per patio door at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Get your free quote today at PellaWI.com. 6.99 APR for 120 months. Certain restrictions apply. See showroom for details. Offers at 1031-2023. Welcome back. Good to have you. The Bill Michaels Show. Continuing on and our friends over there at the Cruise Planners. Kirk and the gang at Cruise Planners. Good people. Great people. Great people. And uh, support our uh, cause via the veterans in uh, the Fisher House ride. But also, if you are kind of looking outside and you're going, man, this is it. We might get into the 60s, but this is it. Warm weather, gone. Gone. And now you're starting to think about, ah, the summer margaritas, maybe sitting in the sun, what have you. And then you think about here comes January and February, you know, the doldrums of the off season, we'll say. That's when you want to get away. And you should start planning it right now, whether it's a cruise, say an Eastern or Western Caribbean uh, cruise. Um, Maybe you want to go someplace all inclusive. That's the way to go, man. That's the way to go. Get a hold of him now and he can help you finance it too in case you – Say, well, you know, might not fit into my budget at this moment. Well, you can still get it done. No problem. Go to Cruise Planners. Land and Cruise Vacations. Call them today for the best land and cruise packages available. 262-344-0697. Anywhere in the continental U.S. I kid you not. They're based in Wisconsin, but they handle stuff from everywhere. Uh, 262 262-344-0697. 262-344-0697. That's our friends over there at Cruise Planners. Um, we'll hear from Rich Passaccia coming up a little bit later on, and Ryan Wood from the Green Bay Press-Gazette is going to be joining us coming up here at the bottom of the hour, so stay tuned for that. Uh, was there anything there that enlightened you, Grant, when it came to Stenovich, other than the fact that he talks about polish and fundamentals and you know, and the fact that the completion percentage is kind of based upon a lack of execution right now? Uh, the the last part, when Tom Silverstein was asking about screenplays, I found yeah. that really interesting. I'm probably going to play that on my show again tonight because that was, to me, Adam Stenovich saying, look, it's happened a couple times now where we've had the perfect call and we've been right. in the right spot and we've had an opportunity for explosive plays and the guys out there have made it happen. And I, you know, I, I don't want to just put A.J. Dillon in this conversation, but a couple of times this year, they've had a screen player, they've had a play that's been lined up so well, and he gets like six yards. You know, those are the plays you need to have explosive 20, 30-yard gains, and they're not getting them. So Mm -hmm. I I like that explanation at the end. Uh, I think uh, there's, going back to elite players, then again, there's players that can drag you down. And uh, would you consider Aaron Jones 
to be a, an elite player? No. Would he be a player that brings you down? No. A.J. Dillon, elite? No. Bring you down? I think so. I think so. Um, you don't have a lot of dynamicness right now on offense, and I think Christian Watson and Luke Musgrave have the ability. I don't know what Jaden Reed's going to morph into because he's been so impressive at times so far this season in a very young rookie campaign. Romeo Dobbs has that. What's happened to Samari Torre, by the way? Last year, he he got the job done in certain in certain games, and he really hasn't been a factor at all this year, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. Has there been a game in which Samari Torre did anything? I know he had a target at the end of the Atlanta game, and he couldn't haul in. That's maybe the last Samari Torre thing I right? remember. Yeah, it's been a while. That's just that. That's just gone. He's not there. I do like Tucker Craft. I do like Luke Musgrave. I think uh, they're they're. I'm not going to say set it tight end, but it's at least younger and serviceable right now. Uh, defensively speaking, I, I'll tell you what. There's there's probably three guys that really need to step it up. You want to see Devondre Campbell come back and be healthy. That's number one. Number two, Jair has got to start playing better. He's got to become some kind of a force back there. And when you get Stokes back, you're hoping that that really begins to mesh. And you kind of knock on wood, hopefully getting Stokes back this week. And then uh, as much as we talk about Rashawn Gary, Preston, Preston Smith, he's been at times quiet. Now, it was funny because last week I said, eh, we haven't seen Preston Smith in a while. And all of a sudden, boom, there he was. You know, Preston Smith burst onto the scene with a couple of pressures. But... um. Oh, Turi, Turi, Samari Turi had the two-point conversion against the Saints. Okay, so we've heard from him a couple of times. But you need some guys that you're depending on, maybe Devontae Wyatt, a little more pressure up front, you know, between him and Kenny Clark. But there's a couple of guys, you know, if you had to say three or four guys that needed to really step up their game or begin to shine for this team to have legitimate say, I think Christian Watson is one. That's, that's number one. Uh, Aaron Jones, number two. Um, number three would be Preston Smith, Devondre Campbell, and then, and then Jair Alexander. Those, those guys need to really impress. They need to, they, cause Rashawn Gary's been Rashawn Gary. I mean, you don't, if he, you'd love to say if Rashawn Gary gets better, but he's played extremely well for coming back from that kind of an injury. But if you can get those guys to really kind of up their game, then I think things start to uh, at least trend in a better, maybe not a great, but in a better direction. Uh, just, just my, just my thought on that. Uh, when we come back, Ryan Wood of the Green Bay Press Gazette is going to be joining us. Hang in there. We got more of the Bill Michael Show next. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. The all-new Potawatomi Casino Hotel has something you gotta see. Play more slots and games, and you could say, show me the money, to reveal up to 10 grand each Thursday. 800,000 in prizes is up for grabs. 40 winners each week. This October and November at Potawatomi, Milwaukee, when you're ready to win, just say, show me the money. More info at PaysBig.com. Must be 21 years old and a club member to play. Hot to fire, streets of stone. 
to have you back. The Bill Michaels Show. We continue on on this Tuesday, sunny Tuesday. Nice looking Tuesday. Good to have you back. Joining us now uh, over on the hotline to talk a little bit more about the Green Bay Packers and uh, perspective in, in that regard. Uh, we got our buddy Ryan Wood joining us uh, on the hotline. Ryan, how you doing? Doing great, Bill. How's it going? Doing well. Uh, you, by the way, you can find Ryan Wood at PackersNews.com. You can find him over there and on Twitter and such as well. So you were there yesterday. The uh, coordinators speak. When you listen to everything they had to say after a week off, self-scout, the direction of this team, was there anything yesterday that struck you? I don't think at this point it's about what they say. It's about what they do, right? I mean, this is a team that is grasping for identity uh, and on one side of the ball and consistency on the other. And you can say whatever you want, but at some point you've got to just go out there and do it. And what better time than right now? Because when you look at how this schedule breaks out, they've got winnable games coming up after the bye. And later in the season, November gets hard. It's, it's not, there's going to be some tough sledding, but they have an opportunity now coming out of the bye to turn this thing around against some opponents that are there for the taking. And so they, they, they got to go out there and do it. And if, if they don't, these next four games coming up, if they go one and three seasons effectively over at that point. I mean, it, it is, it is now that this team has to go out there and, and, and change the course of, this season so whatever they say is what they say but they, they, they've got to go out there and find their identity find some consistency on the defensive side and, and put it together what is the identity uh, is there anything that you could point to you could say this is what they are because i there's nothing there's nothing i can latch on to we were talking about this last week that you know i mean i know um you know matt lafleur said you have to have plays that you can hang your hat on there's nothing right now right there isn't their identity is youth Right, and that's not so much an excuse as it's just the reality. They're the youngest team in the NFL. I picked them to lose to the Raiders, not because I thought they had less talent than the Raiders, but this is the byproduct of when you have this incredible amount of youth on your football team. Anyone that's dealt with youth, whether it's a young football team, whether it's off the field in everyday life, youth rarely does what it's supposed to do. It is very inconsistent. It is all up and down, and that's, that's the identity of this team. It's not going to turn around overnight. It's going to be a process. It's going to take time, but you're, you're not going to know what to expect with this team from a week-to-week basis because that's what youth does. It's, it's hard to predict. So they, they've got to figure out what they do well. Now, they, they've got to, they got to, as Matt LaFleur said last week, you want something to hang your hat on, and right now there's nothing. For, especially for this offense to hang its hat on, it is a bad offense. It is not sustaining drives. It's not putting points on the board. Um, certainly Aaron Jones not being on the field is, is a big part of that. But you've got to have something more than, okay, if you're losing one player, especially running back in this league, your, your offense falls apart. It, you've got to have something more than that, and they just don't right now. So I don't know what the answer is. I don't know if they know what the answer is. They better find it quick. Now, I want to go to the youth thing real quick, and, and I want to bring this up, and you know, because people are quick to jump on this, that so, you know, the Lions are young and other teams are young. To me, the Packers are young at the specialty position of wide receiver, uh, youth and experience-wise at quarterback, and then obviously at the tight end position. But they got younger because they cut a lot of old wood. You know what I mean? 
It's not like yeah. it's because youth people always think of, well, it's young, so they're very inexperienced. They're not inexperienced. They're inexperienced at a couple of positions. But for the most part, this is a team that everybody's been there, done that at least for a year or two now or more. And so my question is, where is the leadership of the people that have been here? You know, we can look at maybe a guy like Aaron Jones, but he's got to be on the field. Uh, and defensively speaking, is it Quay Walker? Is it Devondre Campbell? Is it Preston Smith? Is it Rashawn? Who, where is the leadership of people that have been there, done that, coming from? I think you're seeing it a little bit on the defensive side from guys like Jair Alexander saying what he said after the Raiders game about you got to be self-critical of defense. We can't give up touchdowns. We've got to be better. Rasul Douglas has been a leader. Uh, but the two guys on offense that were in position to be leaders, Aaron Jones and David Bakhtiari, David Bakhtiari's season's over after one game. And Aaron Jones has basically missed three of the last four games in the fourth, the, the game that he's on the field. He was only in a, in a part-time role. Uh, those are the two guys that, uh, on this incredibly young offense, were expected to be the leaders. And, and it's, it's just tough to lead when you're not on the field. It's, it's tough right. to lead from the sidelines. So, yeah, they, they need Aaron Jones back in a big way. They're not getting David Bakhtiari back. And – yeah, I'll say this about Aaron Jones. Everyone that talked going into the season, this might be his last year, and it might be his last year. But if he's this essential to the offense, where, where if you don't have Aaron Jones, everything crumbles and falls apart, they better bring him back even if he's 29 next year. I mean, if, that, if he's that vital to what you've got going on on the offensive side, mm-hmm. that conversation's over. You, you can't for at this point, the, the offense – doesn't look like anything without Aaron Jones on the field. It's it's stunning how how significant his loss has been. Here's my next question: Has the value of the running back this season gone up? We saw what happened when Saquon Barkley went down, and that offense began to sputter. We saw that they didn't have much of an offense in Indianapolis, and then they bring back Jonathan Taylor, and that starts to get going. We see the effect of Bijan Robinson on the Atlanta Falcons. We see what happened when Aaron Jones went down and how the offense kind of lacked for an identity. Is the value of the running back starting to come up a little bit? It's secular in this league, and I think that was the point that the running backs were trying to make in their offseason protest, and their kind of soft unionizing together and banding together was, wait a second, we're pretty vital to what's going on in the offensive operation. You look around the league, top running backs do matter. They, they do make plays. And a guy like Aaron Jones is a great example. When you take him off the field, it's not just the rushing game, which there's no semblance of a rushing game. They're 28th in the league in rushing without Aaron Jones. It's, you, you want to talk about Jordan Love's completion percentage? A big part of that is not having the checkdowns available to Aaron Jones because those are the gimmies. Those are the layups dumping the ball off to your back, out of the backfield, taking the, the, the easy stuff. It's not easy when, when you don't have an Aaron Jones and, and his pass-catching ability out of the backfield as part of the offense. It's not just the running game, but it's what he does as a receiver, one of the better receiving backs in the league. The, it, it, it's the totality, uh, the, the running game, the passing game, everything. And top running backs, that's what they do. It, they're not just hand the ball off and, and, and get – five yards a pop it's it's what they bring to the passing game as well so I think that was the point that they were trying to get across and, and here in Green Bay you're getting it a, a very close view of of what the, a top running back's absence can mean to an offense talking with Ryan Wood at by Ryan Wood over on Twitter or X and uh, PackersNews.com covering the Packers the uh the wideouts is 
you know, obviously Christian Watson got off to a slow start because of the injury. Uh, we've seen Romeo Dobbs. We've seen Jaden Reed. They've they've become good players, but not elite players. Give me your thoughts on the passing game and what needs to happen. I think there's talent there. And Christian Watson's not all the way back yet. The, the, the only thing you need to see to know that he's not all the way back, that hamstring's not 100% right, is him catch a, a ball with nobody in the Las Vegas Raiders secondary around him and actually not outrun the defense. When's the last time we saw Christian Watson not outrun everything around him? And for right. him to get chased down from behind, that that's all you need to know. The, the hamstring's not 100% yet. We'll see coming out of the bye if that changes. But there's talent there. The reality is Christian Watson missed the first three games after a, a healthy training camp, and Jordan Love didn't have his deep threat. And I, I think the the real stunner from their last game was Patrick Taylor had five targets. Romeo Dobbs had four. There's never a game that should go by where Patrick Taylor has more targets than Romeo Dobbs. That should never happen. They've got to figure out a way because we've talked about it all offseason. Romeo Dobbs, his chemistry, his rapport – with Jordan Love, this was supposed to be Jordan Love's security blanket. Four targets, it's not enough. They've got to be able to be intentional about getting the football to their best players and making sure that they run the offense through their playmakers, which at times this season they've just gotten away from. Do you think coaching has anything to do with this right now in the, in the sense of they've kind of, I want to say, scaled it back rather than maybe opening it up just to see what guys can do? I, I don't think there's any way it can't have something to do with this. I mean, it looks like a, a play caller in Matt LaFleur that is searching for, for what this young group can do well. And it's a balance between you – know, think of this. They went from you – know, the, the, the steepest learning curve in this offense really isn't the quarterback. It's, it's really tight ends. They have rookie tight ends that have never played at this level – and there's been some impressive moments, especially Luke Musgrave uh, as a move tight end, what, what he can do stretching the field vertically with his speed, his route running, his receiving ability. But they went from last year, their, their top blocking tight end was Mercedes Lewis, one of, one of the best to, to ever do it at that position as far as being a blocker. He was the sixth offensive lineman when he was on the field. They lined up up in line. They don't change the scheme. They go from Mercedes Lewis to rookie tight ends. And you're seeing that effect in, in the run game, especially as far as rookie tight ends, they, they don't come into the NFL knowing how to be dominant blockers. That is a long process at that position. And when you don't change the scheme and, and, and you're trying to, to, to operate the same as, as when you had a Mercedes Lewis and now you have rookies in place, it's going to be different. And so there's a balance between, you know, what, what the coaching staff is asking these young guys to do is what these young guys need to be able to do at this level. But they're not quite ready to do it yet. And so, so where, where, where do you scale back enough so that you can get by week to week be, until they catch up, uh, but still develop them and still have them doing the tasks that are required at their job at this level? That, that's not an easy process for Matt LaFleur, for this coaching staff. And week to week, I, I think you're seeing them search to, to find that balance. Real quick before I let you go, I know there's a ton of scrutiny, and I'm sure you hear it too, all over Joe Barry. Uh, and I listened to his press conference from yesterday. We played it earlier in the show. One game does not a season make. I understand that. But for all the people that are coming at Joe Barry, I think you got to back up just a little bit and go, you know what? There's no complimentary football. There's no offense. They have played going back to that game against the Saints. I mean, that was three and a half quarters of bad football. The Detroit game was bad football. They played bad football out in Las Vegas. 
this offense isn't doing anything to help that defense right now. And I get what Jair Alexander had to say. He wasn't being an ass. He was being realistic, saying, hey, it's going to take a little while to get it together. But I think some of the pressure and the scrutiny that the defense has been under, I think the defense has kind of, for the most part, kind of held their own. Well, you go back to the last game. That's That, that was a defensive performance that the Packers should have been, been able to win with. You hold them to 17 points. You keep Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs in check, which is not easy to do. You should be able to win with that performance. You go back to the game before that, though, against the Detroit Lions, you can't give up over 200 rushing yards on the ground, complimentary football or not. That's, that's non-acceptable defensive performance. And through five games, it's kind of been every other week. This defense is better than that. It needs to be better than that. It needs to be able to hold the water and be consistent and put together performances like they had against the Saints, against the Raiders. Do that every week. And until it's every week, it's not going to be good enough. They're ninth in the league in passing defense, and that's that's great. The secondary's been a, a real strength, and, and it's not an accident that they, they held Devontae Adams and forecasted for 45 yards. But they're, they're among the, the bottom of, of the league in, in rushing defense. They've, they've got to be able to string these type of performances together. And what Jair Alexander said, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be crazy. To, to whoever much is given, much is expected. This is a defense full of first-round picks and high-priced free agents. That, that's, that should be the expectation for this defense every week is to have winning performances, and, and it hasn't been every week. So that, I think that that's where they've, they've got to turn the corner and string those type of games together. Great stuff, Ron. I certainly appreciate it, and uh, we will talk again real soon, okay? All right. Take care, Bill. All right, buddy. Talk to you soon. There you go. Ryan Wood of the Green Bay Press-Gazette. More so, PackersNews.com. That's PackersNews.com. And at by Ryan Wood over on Twitter. But a lot of good points. And the one thing I didn't get a chance to ask him is I say I wanted to say, what happens if they lose this game ugly on Sunday? Then what? We'll get more into that. We'll ask more guys that down the road. Stay tuned. we got a whole lot more of the Bill Michael Show coming up. This portion of the program brought to you by our good friends over there at northernlightsofnvenue.com. And uh, they're going to do a little watch party this weekend. But uh, if you're, which is right down there on the Milwaukee Riverfront, beautiful place. Uh, if you haven't seen it already and you see it right there on the live stream, it's just awesome. But if you're a, a company that uh, wants to host a dinner, maybe a team gathering event, maybe a, a team meeting, uh, if you got a wedding, a rehearsal dinner, a photo shoot, business event, whatever it may be, or a holiday party, book it now. NorthernLightsEventVenue.com, this incredible venue right there on the waterfront, downtown Milwaukee. NorthernLightsEventVenue.com, that is NorthernLightsEventVenue.com. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is The Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. All right, Team Pella, listen up. Thanks, John Kuhn. Customers love our products with limited lifetime warranties. Check out these big plays. Incredible innovations like blinds and shades between the glass. No interference on that play, Coach. And stylish windows with hidden screens that make game days a breeze. Can it get any better? It can. With monthly payments as low as $19 per window, $75 per patio door, and a free quote at PellaWI.com. Let's go. Whether you're looking to replace older damaged windows and doors or just wanting to revamp the look of your home, Pella offers a wide range of styles and materials to match your home's unique design. 
Hurry, take advantage of monthly payments as low as $19 per window and $75 per patio door at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Get your free quote today at PellaWI.com. 6.99 APR for 120 months. Certain restrictions apply. See showroom for details. Offers on 1031-2023. Coming up in the next hour, Mike Clemens is going to join us. Be talking with Mike. Thomas says, yeah, the whole drafting of love, signing 12, a cluster F of epic proportion. Uh, and there was some dis- uh, discussion a little bit earlier uh, about the salary cap. And there will be. Now, that's one thing if you want to look forward to something that rather than just this season, you look at next year and you see that uh, the money starts to come off the books as you're going to, I don't know what the exact number is, how much is going to be available, but the Packers are going to have, if I'm not mistaken, quite a bit of money. You're going to get 20 back from David Bakhtiari. um, And you're going to get the 40 something back from Aaron Rodgers. Let's see here. 2024. Um, the Packers are going to have close to $40 million in cap space. They'll have close to $40 million in cap space next year. Uh, that's with just cutting David Bakhtiari and Aaron Rodgers coming off the books. $40 million in cap space to spend. That's, that's a chunk of change. That's, you can fill some holes with that. Another hour yet to go. Hang in there. More of the Bill Michaels Show. Good Tuesday to you. Hopefully you're enjoying your day. I know I'm enjoying my day. I mean, no one joined my day. Big time. Big time stuff. Stay tuned. More next.